it's all about uh, being in the right place at the right time and able to respond to God and what He's doing. And so uh, it's clear to me, at least, that God is leading and God is at the forefront of what's coming in terms of the plans of Heights. Heights isn't making these plans, God is. I think going back to that and that whole life group idea, the Aspens, and that we are all connected and we're all growing together as the body of Christ. I see that in my life group. I see that in the women's Bible study that I attend. Um, And I see it as part of the vision of Heights as we move forward to expand, um, to make Heights shore that up, and then to expand into northern Arizona and beyond. It's part of growing. Those aspen trees show us that we're a kingdom and we want to move forward into more communities because we are expanding the kingdom of God. But We're still all together with Jesus. I'm excited to see where he takes, um, not just heights, but where does he take his people? How, who else is he going to bring in? How is he going to impact the community of Arizona. Where is he going to go? I have no idea and I'm excited to see it because I've only seen things like that be good. In every church I've ever been in, when the focus is on people and reaching our community, it means God is truly on the move and we're just obeying and that he does all the work. I can't wait to see what he does. Welcome. We're glad you're here. If this is your first time with us, um, just hang in there. This is a lot of, you will find out what we're about real quick, but this is a lot of what we've called a couple of weeks ago, a family conversation. This would be another piece of that family conversation. Um, And to frame up that conversation, instead of just diving into what we are calling the three-step vision, um, before diving in, I want to frame it up just with some Bible stories, because there's some consistencies you find in scripture that are true all the way across and are especially true of us um, where we where we sit today. So if you have a Bible, turn to Genesis chapter 12. And in Genesis chapter 12, you're on the heels of um, humanity building a tower um, before God. And, and God at that point, um, they're trying to make a name for themselves. And he goes, this isn't good. This is going to work out horrible for them. They're going to start to think they are God. And so he scatters them. And on the heels of that, then you have God beginning to move towards those people. And and the way it begins in Genesis chapter 12 is this. The Lord said to Abram, which later he changes his name to Abraham, said to Abram, go from your country, your people and your father's household to the land I will show you. Go is the first word. The the idea behind go is that God has always been on the move. That God created humanity and he created it in such a way, he put creation together as a whole in such a way that it would move forward. The desire of scripture, if you look at scripture, it begins in a garden and ends in a city. It's always been moving forward. It was always designed to move forward. So when God comes to humans and God 
God begins to interact, often what you'll find is God calling them to get up and follow him, to get up. And essentially what's happening is God is coming along and saying, I am on the move and I'm inviting you to join me in that. And so with Abram here, he shows up and he goes, hey, go. And, and, and when he tells him to go, he also tells him specifically from your country. I, I don't, I'm from England. I left England when I was 19. And, and in leaving England, what I left was a whole bunch of familiar, familiar cues that what you find in those cues is all the ways that you act when you remove those. All of a sudden, if you've ever been in a foreign country, things that aren't familiar to you and you get a sense of just being an outsider and feeling weird. He's telling him, leave. you're going to go and you're going to leave what's familiar. So, so in following God, God's saying, I'm on the move. Abram, I want you to join me. But when you do, know there's a cost. Know that there's a cost involved to following you. Know that you're going to sacrifice the things that you love, the things that are familiar to you. You're going to let those go in the name of following me. And then he also says your people. Now, now in this sense, your people in this one is, is your tribe. This is your group of people that you identify with. Essentially what he's saying is that your security and your identity that you gain from the people you're a part of um, and the safety that's associated, you, you need to leave that. The, the, the people with that you would call your tribe, you're going to step away from them in following me because I'm on the move and I'm inviting you to, to join. And then on top of that, he says, in your father's household. So now it's relational, the closest ties to him, which is where his inheritance would have come from, which is where his security long-term in life. He goes, hey, Abram, I need you to leave it. And as you leave it, I need you to follow me. And, and as, you, as I'm on the move, Abram, you're going to go on the move. But what I love about God is he doesn't disguise anything. He says, you're going to leave what's familiar. There's going to be a cost. You're going to sacrifice what's familiar to you. You're, you're going to sacrifice um, safety and identity and security that you find in your people. You're going to sacrifice um, connections and relational and loved ones. And there's, there's going to be a cost, Abram, if you're going to step out and you're going to follow me. And then I, this part, to the land, I will show you. So... He says, go, and then he goes, I'll show you the land. So what did that look like? Like Abram gets to the end of his road, like which direction do you go, right? He goes, but Abram, I just need you to go. And so Abram, like you you can imagine what this looks like where he's going out and God's going, I'm going to show you the land, but you just need to start putting one foot in front of the other foot. You need to get on the move. Why? Because God is on the move. It's going to cost you something, but you need to, you need to advance. And so next verse. I will make you into a great nation and I will bless you. I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. Just just as an anchor for our church family, just for an anchor for life. um, What God is saying is I will, God's going to do the work. God's going to bless Abram. But once he blesses him, it's for a very specific intention that he would what? Be a blessing to others. So just as an anchor for our church, can, can we live from the philosophy that anything that comes into your hand, any blessing you receive from God is actually intended to be a blessing for someone else? That everything that comes into your hand, it's given to you so it can go through you to others. 
that you are blessed to be a blessing. That's what God's telling Abram. He goes, hey, as you go, I'm going to make you great. But you need to know, Abram, that I'm going to make you great so that you can be great to others. Next verse. I will bless those who bless you and I will curse. And whoever curses you, I will curse. And all peoples, all peoples on the earth will be blessed through you. All people. So, so he's talking to one man and specifically he's telling him to go to a land he'll show him. But he's telling him, hey, I'm going to bless who? All peoples. I'm going to bless people through you. Abram, because what is God moving towards? He's moving towards people. He's always been moving towards people. The mission is always people. It always will be people. And he connects the dots here. He goes, hey, I'm going to bless you so that you can bless all people. That what I'm giving to you is to go through you to people. Next verse. So Abram went. So Abram, what? Went. It's a step of obedience. Do you know when God, when God shows up and when God's on the move, it, it often requires for his people that there's a step of obedience. And obedience often means that there's going to be sacrifice involved. Sometimes it's just sacrifice of the will. It's sometimes it's, I want to go this way and God's telling me to go that way. Sometimes I just want to behave this way and God's going, actually, it's better for you to behave this way. So, so it always involves the sacrificing of, of my will, but there's, there's also often with God, when, when he says go, that when we join him in that, that there's a sacrifice that takes place. Um, there's a cost that takes place. That obedience isn't cheap. That following him isn't, isn't going to be easy, so to speak. For Abraham, Abram, he went. He went. He got to the end of the road and he kept going. And it says that as the Lord had told him, and Lot went with him, Abram was 75 years young when he set out from Haran. Next verse. He took his wife, Sarai, his nephew, Lot, and all the possessions they had accumulated and the people they had acquired in Haran, and they set out for the land of Canaan, and they arrived there. So, so he takes all his possessions. He, when, he, when he leaves and he's following God, essentially what he's saying at this moment is, God, as I follow you, everything is on the table. God, as I follow you, as I step out, I see you on the move. And as I join you, everything I have is fair game for you to use. I'm taking it all with me. So that God, on this journey, wherever it twists, wherever it turns, it, it, it's, it's for your use. Next verse. Abram traveled through the land as far as the site of the great tree of Morah at Shechem. At that time, the, the Canaanites were in the land. Next verse. The Lord appeared to Abram and said, to your who? Offspring, I will give this land. So he built an altar there to the Lord who had appeared to him. Okay, okay. so he's been traveling. He's been going. And remember, God told him he would show him what? He would show him the land. But now, now notice what God does. He goes, hey, by the way, Abram, you're following me. Your step of faith that you've taken, your obedience to me, your sacrifice it's, you're not going to see it, Abram. It's going to be your offspring that actually take the land. His step of faith was not for him. His step of faith, and I wrote this in my Bible as I, as I was studying this out, and it just hit me that his step of faith was actually for unseen people. It were people he would never see. 
He would never see the great multitude that God talked about. He would never see the nation. He would never see the land. He would never see them. He saw the land, but he would never see them take the land. His step of faith wasn't for him. And in this journey, as we begin to talk about this three-step vision and where God's got us and stepping out, first thing, church, we need to know is our step of faith might not be for us. We may never see the fruits of what this is. We may never see the unseen people that this is going to touch. But what we have is we have a moment where we know God is on the mood, on the mood, on the mood. God is on the mood, by the way. God is on the move and we have a chance. We have a moment. We have an invitation from God to join him in what he's doing. It's a go moment. This is consistent with scripture, by the way. You get to Exodus and there's a man named Moses and Moses comes to, he's looking after some sheep and he ends up at a burning bush at the mountain of God and God meets him in the burning bush. He ends up taking off his shoes because he's like, man, this is hollow ground and, and this is holy. And so he ends up talking to God and what God begins to tell him is he says, hey, I've heard the cry and notice the words, my people. I've heard the cry of my people and I'm going to move towards them, Moses. And guess what? I'm inviting you to come with me. I'm inviting you to go, Moses. But you're going to have to leave 40 years of life you've built up. You're going to have to leave 40 years of security. You're going to have to leave all of this, your in-law's estate, so to speak, because I got something for you to do. You need to go. And so there's sacrifice involved. Moses leaves and he goes and he ends up he ends up leading out, rescuing, seeing God rescue an entire nation of people from Egypt. But it began with God going, hey, I'm inviting you to go. Some may say commanded. Fair enough. But God told him to go because God was on the move and he invited him to join him in that and go. Um, in Matthew 28, the disciples are, are meeting with the risen Jesus. You can Put Matthew 28 up there. The disciples, um, the 11 disciples went to Galilee to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. So Jesus is resurrected at this point. He's conquered death. Um, he, he's in his resurrected form and now he's going to essentially give them his last command, right? And he says, when they saw him, they worshiped him. But some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, what's the next word? Go and make disciples of all, and that word nations is ethnos, and the original ethnos can be translated people. Go and make disciples of all people. God is on the move. He's on the move in the New Testament all the way through. What is consistent is that God is moving towards people to make disciples of them. What a disciple is, is someone who becomes a follower of what they call the way, the follower of Jesus. That is the call on the life of the church is to get up and go. Why? Because God is on the move and he always has been towards people. People. People are the mission. They've always, always have been the mission and they always will be the mission of God. And we have an amazing invitation on us to go. Will you go? And by the way, when you go, it's a step of faith. And in that step of faith, there will be cost. There will be sacrifice. There will be loss of familiar. There will be loss of all kinds of things. But the call in our life is, will we get up and will we go? Will we be a community that follows God into what he's calling us? And so this morning, we... 
We want to lay out where we believe that God is calling us as leadership. We, we want to lay out for you what, what that looks like, the three steps. But before we do, what we've wanted to do this morning is we don't want it just to be our voice. Um, we want you to hear from, from people of the family. So here you go. Take a look. Even though my physical home where I grew up is back in New Mexico, my home is really the people out here and the experiences that I have. Being at Heights is really why I am still in Arizona. I can't leave this place yet because it does feel so much like home in the people that I interact with and how Jesus works through absolutely every person that I see at Heights, whether I know them or not. It's that smile or how are you doing or how's it going. Every part of it is just, to me, feels like what home should be like. It's almost like a little microcosm of heaven. (laughs) I've struggled in terms of finding a younger community um, because this is primarily a retirement community. Um, And so I've struggled to find that. And I believe that Heights is doing a really good job at serving maybe underserved populations in this community. Um, And so that's been a huge impact for me. And I think I see that's what the Heights is doing really, really well in the community. My wife and I have been married for 42 years. 41 years. (laughs) Might have to fix that. The folks at Heights gathered around us and made us feel welcome and made us feel comfortable and made us feel uh, like we'd always been there. We've been involved in churches over the years, over the decades, and uh, this particular church does an amazing job of making folks uh, new to the area feel welcome and comfortable. And so it it was uh, home at first when people just do that as a natural response to uh, Jesus living inside of them. You know, joy just exudes from certain people. Well, there's a lot of those at Heights. Did you catch some key words? The word home? That this is a place where one of the beauties of these videos we captured recently is most people talked about what happened when the door was opened for them, when they saw a smiling face and when they were welcomed and somebody engaged them in conversation, they went, this feels like home. This feels like a place I could be. It's, it's friendly. It's, it's comfortable. That was long before they ever got anywhere else. Um, and, and so one of the beauties of what God has blessed us with is a community of, of family and a community that um, allows anyone to belong allows anyone to feel like this is home. Um, another, another one in there that, that I don't know if you caught or not, but the idea that, that Heights is serving a group of people. We've been given a gift by God to connect generations together. To, to, to see Heights become a place where, where you can have someone who is new to their faith with someone who is old in their faith, so to speak. Mature in their faith. That's a better way to put it, right? Um, but, but we've been blessed. We've been blessed. 
And so out of this, out of this DNA of who we are, we started um, a long time ago. By the way, I'm just the spokesperson. Um, there's many, many meetings and many, many people and many, many prayers of the entire family and conversations where we've been talking about we could do this stuff. And, and we've narrowed it down over that time. We've narrowed it down to we believe that God is leading us in three specific areas. And, and there's thought behind each and every one of those. And so I'm going to attempt to share with you where we believe that God is leading us as a church family. And so um, we're calling it the three-step vision. Um, Step one is that place here. Step one is the current campus that we're on. Did you know that within five miles of this campus in five years, there's projected to be 5,000 homes. That's, if, if you do the average on a household, that's 15,000 people, 15,000 people within five miles of this campus. Obviously, we don't have seating for 15,000 people. And so the natural question is, well, are we going to build a big building? Are we going to build something that can house it all? Um, to build a building adequately on this property, we would have to go through an entire rezoning. And on top of that, it would cost 13 to $15 million just for the building. Um, and that doesn't even begin to talk about the fact that there's one way in that you all got to experience today and one way out. It doesn't help with any of that part. It just allows a building to have more people in it. And so we've continued the conversation of what does it look like God, what are you doing with the current space you've provided us with? How do we become better stewards of it? And we, we know we need to, if that's coming in the neighborhood, we know we need to do something. And so here's, here's what's happening. By the way, this, this is an overview, obviously, top down. South is this side right here. Um, you know how there's the overhangs on all the buildings? Where south is written, that is the overhang outside of this wall. Obviously, stage, and then you work your way that way. So... The idea is that's our current layout. First, one or not first, but one of the things we're going to do is on this backside, you can go ahead and go to the next one. On this backside, you'll notice that the stage is actually going to go through that wall. So on this side where the screen ends and on that side where the screen ends, it'll be angled backwards all the way to the um, overhang on the back. Um, so the idea is by moving the stage backwards, for those of you in the cheap seats on the sides, you guys, right where, this, right where this TV is, is roughly where the front of the stage will be. And it will be rounded all the way around to provide more seating. We believe that just with this configuration um, and what we're doing to the rest of the room, we, we think we will add, we can, we're about eight, 850 seats right now. We think we can go up to um, 1,100, but that would be like, really tight and not able to move, you know, you know what I mean? So what we'll probably end up with is about 1050, somewhere in that range where it's comfortable, space is provided. Um, but we add, if you do the math, 200 per service is a thousand seats that would be added just by helping move that backwards and, and on the other side. So along with that, um, on this side, we're going to put a, everything is getting an audio and visual uh, like upgrade. And the reason for that is um, on this backside, we'll have a video room 
And once that's completed, we will be able to launch an online campus. Now, when I say online campus, what that means is we will be able to stream everything we do live. So for music, the entire service will be streamed live. But this is my favorite part. Someone will be able to log on to access it. And when they log on, we will have an online camp, campus pastor that will be able to talk to them, will be able to pray for them. And, and it actually becomes a real life campus where people are interacting. So, so that happens the minute we do the upgrade, the minute that goes in, the minute all the lighting gets where it needs to be, it allows us to instantly be able to go out off the campus with the entire service. Right now, we do not have that capability. Um, on the back side over here, Uh, This side, I don't know if you've noticed, but everybody does the march around the room and it's somewhat distracting and um, to get on stage, we'll have a backstage so that we can load from the back. But more importantly, we'll have a space to be able to put all the audio equipment that we need to um, in that back area. And it'll also be a green room back there on the other side. So on this back wall, that's all kinds of shapes. It's going to go straight across Um, the, the root. If you look in the lobby, there's these white and red poles. Um, the wall will basically go flat across those poles. When it does that, it allows us to, I don't know if you've ever had this experience, you tried to leave and somebody said, uh, you can't go through this door right now. If you'll just go down to that one. Um, they're all going to be double doors, so you can go through any door you want at any time you want. Um, the tech booth will be built in the back so that we're not walking around hitting ourselves on different platforms and stuff. And then on this side, we're going to build... Um, accessible seating across the back. There'll be a platform on that back right there um, to help. I, I don't know if you've noticed, but anyone who isn't able to stand, when when everybody else stands, they get a good view of the back of the everybody in the room. So um, we want to honor people. We want people to um, have an experience that that when they come, they feel welcome and they're invited and they're a part of it. Um, that's that's what's going on on that back corner. Next stage is the lobby. So this wall where the coffee shop is, that wall will go all the way across straight. Um, In between the doors on this side, we're going to create spaces that we're calling connections. And the idea behind that is when you come in, we want it to be simple for you to get involved. We don't want you to come excuse me, come in and go, how do, how do I get into men's ministry? Or how do I get into women's? How, how do I figure out how to serve in youth or children's? Or They're going to be present. We're going to have people present to be able to help you on road all the time. Um, part of that is if we're a family, then figuring out how to have those connection points and conversation is extremely important. The last piece on the building will be on the north side. Um, the the coffee shop will, if, if it faces us right now, it'll actually turn sideways and face out the north. The entire thing will be built in and become, um, a, but when you hear the word coffee shop, can I challenge you? Don't hear coffee shop because when we hear coffee shop, we think business. Um, think ministry opportunity. What we're hoping is that this becomes a ministry opportunity seven days a week. For example, that you would have people that would be able to use that space for one-on-one discipleship, or you could have a life group that meets in that space during the week, or um, you could have college ministry that um, they, because they'll be sound wired in there, you'll be able to have acoustic worship in there. And so college could use that space to do their, their night. Or it just may be that you're a student at Emory Riddle and you would never go to church, but you'll go to a coffee shop to study and there's nothing nearby and you just happen to come to a church to study. And who knows what Jesus does with that. So the idea behind the coffee shop is it really becomes a ministry space that's available seven days a week is, is kind of the, um, 
goal with that. So, so that's this main building. Um, also in step one, there will be a parking lot going on the west side. Um, it'll have 140 spots. Um, we have roughly about 75 to 100 people that park in the dirt right now um, for the nine o'clock in between services. Uh, and then on top of that, one of the things that we're doing to help with this service um, is we are going to move the nine o'clock to 845. And so now it creates a bigger buffer in between. You should never have traffic issues getting into campus like you did today. Yeah, that's clap worthy right there. Um, along with that, we are, you might have noticed on the front of H4, the children's building, there's like a, they call it a Kwanzaa hut, think, air, think hangar for an airplane. Um, it's that look, it's, it's the arch look, but inside of there is going to be a new check-in system that will help um, parents process kids faster, get them out of the rain, and, and just create more space for that process of in and out, drop off and pick up of your children. Also on the H2 building, the building straight across here, on the back side of that, there, you're going to see a pergola built. It's an area that's designed um, especially for youth to use and also during our chapel service. When, when that service gets done, youth are in there, junior higher in straight away, and so they have to leave. We're creating a space for them. Um, connections will be there. Prayer ministry will be there. Life groups will be there so that that service, that venue will be able to, to connect and meet. So that's what's going on in phase one on campus. Um, step two then, so if that's step one is campus, step two is Flagstaff, Sedona, and Hawaii. So this is the part where I tell you I got somewhere to be. Um, so... <laughs> So Flagstaff and Sedona, um, we've had conversations about for a long time. And, and with Flagstaff um, in particular, there's, uh, the, the goal would be to reach um, college age, young adult age. Um, the, the idea behind it is we've had quite a few conversations with um, students that are NAU. And, and the feedback is there's a lot of good churches, but there's, there aren't churches that we're connecting with. Um, you heard in a video earlier that one of the things we've been blessed with is being able to connect with communities. Um, our goal is right now the, the largest gathering I've heard um, of college students um, in a worship setting is about 40. If you know NAU, that's not very many. We believe Jesus wants to meet a whole bunch more students. And so Flagstaff is looking like it will be a Thursday night. Um, it'll be a service that we host in a venue up there. Um, we're currently looking at different, different venues and what, what that could look like. Uh, our goal with that is that it would be an environment that, that if I didn't know Jesus, I would want to be in. Um, and then also that service will be live music, um, live speaker every week um, with ways to connect students to one another so that they can do life together. Um, so that's Thursday night in Flagstaff, Sedona. Um, we were just up there this past week, got to talk to um, some people. One, one was a couple who are missionaries there at a coffee shop and began to ask them about church. They said, well, we do, we do our gathering on a Saturday night, so we've been going to churches every Sunday. They said, we have not been able to play, find a place that we can call home. 
They said, we've tried a whole bunch of churches. They said, it seems like it's on one extreme or the other. It's the extreme of, um, we know what we believe. And if you don't believe it, you're not welcome all the way to, um, you can believe whatever you want and it's all okay. And come on in. And so in the middle, there, there isn't really anybody that's meeting the gap. And so one of the things that we feel that God's calling us to is we could be a part of, of meeting that gap. We have, uh, one of my, my friends that's over there, he used to, well, he still does drive over, um, quite a bit from Sedona to attend Heights here. And he's a native of Sedona. So we sat and spent some time with him and he gave us the same scoop on it. But there's groups of people in Cottonwood and Sedona that already feel like they're part of the Heights family that are going, would you consider coming over the hill and doing something? So Sedona is much, looking much more like it would be, um, live worship live host, but then um, streaming in because we would have the video room and capability to do so well, um, that we would be able to stream in live and they would be connected to us, um, kind of like the chapel venue is at the, the nine. Hawaii is someone who was a, um, used to be here, attend Heights regular. They're part of the family. They're actually part of the worship team and they followed God's call to Hawaii. They got there. Um, they, they discovered that it was about an hour and a half to the nearest church that they, they felt connected to. And so in a conversation with, with, um, our production manager, he just threw it out there. He goes, would Heights ever do anything in Hawaii? The minute we have that done, we're able to stream all the way to Hawaii, which means that we could actually have a campus there um, with this gentleman and his wife, and, and they would be willing to host and have worship of some sort or play the whole thing, whatever, whatever they want to do. So, so all of a sudden, Hawaii, while I joke about it, really is an option at this, at this moment. It just it allows us to do so much more. And then step three is... Prescott Valley, we've talked about it an awful lot. Um, Prescott Valley is, is something that we anticipate being a full campus. By full campus, I mean it would have children's, youth, life groups. Everything we do here on a weekend would be there. Um, the goal with that is that it's all live. So none of it would be streamed. You would have a live speaker in both locations. And it, here's the thing behind Prescott Valley. One of, one of the hearts of it is... Prescott Valley is a lot of young families, and young families have a whole lot of young kids. And, and so having something there that is able to meet the needs of that um, is important to us. Right now, we do not have a location. We do not have, like, we're just, okay, God, we're, we're going to follow you in it. Um, but we know that you're leading us to Prescott Valley. We don't know what that looks like yet. We know that it's a full campus. We don't know what building, location, um, or time frame at this point. We just know that God is leading. And so um, that's step three. And kind of, by the way, when we did the surveys, 41% said that they are coming from Prescott Valley side. 60% of that 41 said that they would attend a campus in Prescott Valley, that's roughly about 600 people. So if 600 people from our weekend services here went there to begin that, instantly you need all the infrastructure of children's and youth and everything in place to meet the needs of the families attending. But on top of that, that also creates 600 more seats here. That if you take 10% of 15,000, I think my math is good, it's 1,500, am I right? Okay, good. Um, that actually puts us at 1,600 seats available here on a weekend. We'd already be meeting 10% just by those changes. Um, now, 
we haven't talked anything about time frame or money. And, and so along with that um, time frame of all of this, step one, you will see ground being broken. In fact, you might have already noticed on the front of H4, stuff's already being added. Um, but you will see ground broken on this building as early as March the 12th. Um, so it is coming fast. We are, we are on the move. We are stepping out. Um, God is saying go because he is on the move. We are on the move. Um, step two, we believe that over the next um, few months, we'll have interest nights. So if you have any interest in being involved in those two ministries, when you hear about those interest nights, please um, step up and make sure you're there. But we'll have interest nights for Flagstaff, Sedona, and maybe an interest day, week in Hawaii. Um, <laughs> month. Um, And then the Prescott Valley campus, as we know more, we're just going to keep it in front of you. This is what God's going to do. So here we go. Numbers. Step one is going to cost 2.4 million, which when you compare that to 15, it's not bad, but 2.4 is a big step of faith going, God, we're going to trust you for this. We're going to trust you to walk into this. Um, Step two is very minimal. You have rent of a space and you have setup. And you can do both of those fairly reasonably um, as far as finance, the financial side goes. Step three, we don't have any idea. Um, depending on what God puts in front of us, depending on what doors God opens, we don't know what, what location and, and what that looks like. So what cost goes along with that, we don't know at this point. Um, that's a whole lot of information. And I want my friend Kelly to kind of grab us back to why. most excited to see what the next chapter looks like because I was there when this chapter opened when we broke ground on the property at 2121 Larry Caldwell Boulevard I was there and we you know wrote down our dreams and our hopes for what God would do on wooden blocks and we prayed over the chairs themselves and we each bought a chair I think or something we all paid portions of of what this reality looks like now and to know like on any given Sunday when we're all in that room together this is the reality based on um, the steps that we all took in faith knowing that God was going to do something big and so I'm most excited about just to see what that next chapter is because no matter what the ups and downs of the process are um, God is so good he always provides something um, that if you're if you're willing to keep your eyes open you know, it's good. We stand on the shoulders of those that heard God say, I'm moving. And they said, we'll go. To, to hear Kelly's testimony of seeing ground broken here, that there's some of us that saw that. There's a whole bunch of us that didn't. To hear that your chair was prayed over before you ever sat in it. Because God was on the move and people said, I'm going. And there was sacrifice. You heard the sacrifice. And, and just so you know, over the next months and as we walk this out together, there's going to be times when we're asking as a family, hey, we need to sacrifice as we walk this road. We, there may be times where we buy chairs. We don't know. We know what's in front of us. 
And we know that God is calling us. And so we know that the step of faith will require obedience. But that obedience will come with a cost. It will come with a cost to your time, your talent, and your finances. It will come with a cost of your, your own relationships at times. It will come with a cost of familiar surroundings and, and people. It will come with a cost of not having everything the way we want it at times. But the cost has always been worth it through the entire history of time when God has moved. I highly doubt that Abram got to the end and went, ah, I wish I would have stayed home. Right? I don't hear that in the words of Kelly. I don't hear Kelly going, I wish I would have stayed home. And so church, there's not, somebody asked me, when does the boot drop? When are you going to pass the buckets? We're not passing buckets. We're saying that God is on the move. Here's the three steps that he's put in front of us. Will you join us together as a family? Will you sacrifice? Will you walk out what he puts in front? My mom, as a teenager, had a rough upbringing, to say the least. At one point, she was homeless, didn't know where she would sleep at night. And there was a man, it was actually a couple, George and Elma, who stepped into her world with a key. And they said, any time that you don't have a place to stay, this is your house. And my mom's testimony was, you wouldn't have trusted me if you would have seen me. They had little kids. They were just starting out. She said, you would have thought I would have robbed you blind. She said, but they handed me a key anyways. And they said, whenever you need a place to stay, you show up. And so my mom started taking them up on it. And they just started loving my mom. And George found out that my mom couldn't read. And George began to teach my mom how to read by taking her to the Bible and opening the book of John. And my mom came to know Jesus because of the love that George and Elma poured into her. My mom then became a missionary for 35 years, has trained missionaries all over the world. That same lady sat with me at three years old and taught me about Jesus. You don't know what your sacrifice will do, church. We don't know what's ahead. But all we know is we have a God who is worth standing and is worth praising. So if you would stand, we will praise our God together. 